So Charlie, you've raised $17 million building the Uber for medical scans. So CT, CAT scans, MRI scans, ultrasounds, that sort of thing. A scan is basically a commodity, right? So from the patient side and the physician side as well, getting an MRI done at one center versus another doesn't really make much of a difference once you've got the result of the report. How do you stop this whole thing becoming a race to the bottom where your only route basically is to offer the cheapest possible scan and eventually some competitors come in and lo and behold, you're not really profitable? It's an interesting viewpoint. I'd say that the scan should not be an, uh, have a price barrier of an order of magnitude. And, but at the same time, there are quality differences. Um, you know, the quality of the machine, the quality of the radiologist reading that scan, the experience of that radiologist, just how nice the facilities are. Some patients want to pay a premium for that kind of setting. So there, there is, there are, you know, and there are variances in quality. Although I'd agree, I'd agree with you that it's maybe not as vast as some as some kind of variances in price suggest. For us, you know, we we don't want to create create a complete race to the bottom because that's not sustainable. If that does happen. The capacity constraints will pop up like they have done in the UK, uh, where you know there is not a huge incentive for private providers to pop up because of you know the, the NHS reimbursements are just so low. But in my mind, you know, I'm I'm a free marketer. I, I think that there should be competition uh, to some you know, to to a very large extent, and and why should healthcare be immune to to price competition? Have you heard of this Brian Chesky, the co-founder of Airbnb, and his 11 star experience blog post? Have you seen this? I haven't seen the blog post, but I mean, can you expand on it? Yeah. He, so the question I want to ask you actually is yeah. around what you're seeing in the field of sort of concierge medicine or like five-star experience medicine and how you might be thinking of that in what you're building at scan.com. And it's a really, really interesting post where Brian Chesky says that when he's brainstorming about Airbnb, they do this experiment where they think of what an 11-star experience would be like. So instead of thinking, what's the next step up? Instead of thinking, what's a five-star experience? They really like brainstorm. Like they literally think, okay, an 11-star Airbnb experience is like you get off the plane and Elon Musk greets you and he's like, we're going to go to space together and then um, here's your, and we're going to get your favorite Michelin star to, to cook the meal on the way up in the rocket. Um, and they do that exercise because once you can like envision what 11 stars looks like, then you can actually probably make a five star or a six star experience. Are you trying anything in this space of like concierge medicine or just making healthcare like not a terrible experience for people? Like, are there any things you've thought of here? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what our business is all about, right? Is, is increasing access through building us a really delightful experience and one which creates the least anxiety possible for what is normally a very high anxiety period of time, which is you've been told that you need to go and get a diagnostic test. Um, and we, we use a similar framework, you know, internally with a product team, which is not necessarily the 11 star experience, but it's just kind of, it's kind of more of a, a Amazonian way of thinking, which is working, working backwards from the press release that you, that you dream of, of putting out there in terms of what your product, it, what your product does. And, and you're right, like for, for us, like the, the, the basics, scheduling, you should be able to schedule from your phone or from your web without having to call anyone and without having to sit in a waiting line on a phone. Um, you should not have to speak with anyone to book a diagnostic test. And then, and so that's kind of for, number one for us, we have these three pillars. So the, the dream experience is number one, you can schedule your test without ever having to speak with anyone. 95 plus percent of, of healthcare providers in the imaging space in the US, you, you have to phone up. Second of all, price transparency. You should be able to compare and contrast prices uh, across all imaging providers, across all imaging modalities from your phone or from your computer. And third of all, 
you should not have to be given a CD or any form of physical hardware to carry around your results. Uh, once again, the vast majority of imaging centers in the US and in the UK are still using CDs as a, as a storage modality. Um, so they're kind of the three basics, but actually where I, you know, this, this, you may want to ask more about this later on, but where I really see the space going is, is actually using technology to enhance the quality of the patient results. So right now we, we're the only company in the UK that, that offer, um, a report, which is actually patient friendly. And when I mean patient friendly, I mean, they don't have to be a clinician to understand the findings on that report. So we use natural language processing uh, via a company called Scanslated to actually take those clinical findings and make them readable by patients. So to us, that is yeah, a five-star um, experience. That patient doesn't have to wait and have that period of anxiety between they get the report and actually having to go back to a doctor to understand what that report really means. Kind of going a little bit more far into the future, I, I, I'm sure you've seen that you know, all of the different AI startups getting funded musty, specifically in, in the radiology space. There's, there's billions of dollars of capital being put to work there. Um, all of those different AI companies, essentially what they're trying to do is either is to look at those images and, and generate some kind of impression on those images without a radiologist. Um, being necessarily present. Uh, all of those AI companies will really, really struggle for distribution. It is so hard to go imaging center by imaging center trying to sell your specific point solution or point piece of technology into that imaging center. Like It's just hard because we've, you know, we've been there and done that. Um, how we view scan.com is that we can be that single layer of infrastructure where all of those different, those different companies in the AI space and the radiology front can partner with us at any images flowing through the scan.com system that have been put either by a doctor or by a patient we can apply that technology to those images and really that puts us in a in that that really elevates the scan.com experience beyond just going directly to to the imaging provider so what you're saying is that someone's built an interesting ai radiology diagnostic piece of tech and instead of yeah going center to center across the world trying to convince them to start using your tech they can just come to you and suddenly every scan that comes through your system their technology is adopted there. So that puts you in a hugely advantageous position, right? Correct. And yeah, exactly. So we, you know, we really see ourselves as the, not just the, to use your earlier analogy, the Uber, you know, the booking platform, but really the, the, the platform, the infrastructure layer where every single scan is being booked through and, and we are the distribution channel partner to, to those, the, the, what is the future of radiology, which is in the AI space. Yeah. So can, can, can we do like a thought experiment around the 11 star experience thing? So, yeah, um, say in the US, what would be the rough cost of a like MRI lumbar spine? Something a few hundred dollars, including like the including the health system cost, probably closer to a thousand dollars. A thousand dollars. Okay, cool. So, if you wanted to build the eleven star experience, so you go on your phone, you book the scan, the doctor actually comes in uh, Rolls Royce, chauffeur driven, and picks you up. They ride with you to the scan site answer your questions, you talk through it. Um, then, you know, you're invited in, there's zero wait. You go straight to the scanner, you have your scan done. Um, it's actually quicker because MRIs take a long time, right? They're like 30 to 60 minutes, really. Um, potentially, you've got some new technology, actually, that you've innovated there as well that makes the scan quicker. Um, and then you get the results, you, you get like a cup of tea, you get like your favorite snack, and the doctor there and then, the radiologist looks through the report explains it to you in plain English and they go, okay, here's my mobile number. If you have any more questions afterwards, you can just WhatsApp me uh, and I'm happy to talk whenever you want. And then you go home and you get also referred straight away 
to the subsequent like follow-on care from the best people without any headache and it's all sorted out for you. If we just take away maybe the innovation on the MRI machine side, like how much do you think that kind of experience would cost? And because there must be people getting that. Well, I mean, you're not too far off from what our current experience is apart from the Rolls Royce. Um, <laughs> we, you know, we, <laughs> a big claim. we actually, I mean, we do provide transport in the US. It's via the Uber API. And we're the only company okay. that does that in the imaging space. Like we actually awesome. have the reintegration. Uh, so, you know, we, we, and we provide follow-on care. You get access to the provider because um, you need to get to order in imaging, specifically advanced imaging. The vast majority of imaging centers require some kind of referral note. Um, mm-hmm. And we provide the doctor to write that for you if, if, if your, your symptoms um, warrant it. Uh, so we, the vast majority of what you've described there, apart from kind of the, the AI that is used to speed up the images, which actually that technology is coming out, but that would really be the that be the imaging center that needs to install that, not us. I, I, what I find actually interesting about what you're saying there is that yes, we provide one of the parts of the experiences you get a you know get instant instant access to your doctor to um, to speak through those results, but actually the vast majority of, of imaging requests are made by the referring a referring provider such as your, your family doctor or your, your primary care practitioner one of the the big um, value propositions that we're exploring is actually making the the radiologist who's read those results available to speak with that doctor who has requested the images because often there is uncertainty around exactly what some of those results mean currently that that infrastructure does not exist at the moment you, you you typically get a pdf form with the radiologist's name at the top like you could probably find out who they are and find out their email but no doctor does it because it's it's just a complete hassle uh, we're looking to make that possible through our, through our system um but yeah the vast majority of what you described is is kind of how we do it today with scan.com it looks like a really easy business to build so in my head i'm like okay i'm going to start uh, you know, scan2.com. And all I'm going to do is go around to like a load of imaging centers, get them on board. Like, hey, I'm going to bring you free business. Um, let's make this work. And then I'm going to put some ads out on on the internet offering like $100 scans, get loads of VC money to like, it, to fund that. And it just like, there doesn't seem to be anything so difficult about doing it. It's not like you're, you know, making some new piece of like AI technology that doesn't exist yet. It seems like a fairly simple thing to build. Um, what's harder than it looks? Yeah. I mean, that means we're doing a great job because it, it looks like a smooth experience on the face of it. You know, and a, the, the same argument could be used for, for Uber, for Airbnb, for hotels.com, you know, oh, we just need to go and get the supply, bung up a website and, and it all works right. Uh, maybe get some VC money to advertise it. Um, you know, the, the, what, what is super hard and has taken us years to do is actually on the, uh, the on the, the infrastructure side, what we do is we integrate with all of the different um, packs and RISs, so radiology information systems of every imaging center that we work with. So what that does is that facilitates all the live scheduling. So when you go on a website, you'll see you can book a lifetime and date at that specific imaging center. Um, and once you've you you've done the scan, typically before you've even left that imaging center, your results are available within the scan.com portal for you or your physician to view. All of that underlying infrastructure is super hard <laughs> super time consuming and super expensive to build and so, you know really the what you see on the face of it the you know the scan.com kind of consumer brand or the consumer website that really is just the tip of the iceberg um, and you will see a couple of copycat sites in the uk which are the tip of the iceberg 
But the reason you know, they they aren't successful and we are is because, in my opinion, most kind of aggregator start platform start businesses are, are winner take all businesses. There's only one Uber. There's only one Airbnb. There's only really a couple of like hotel booking websites. You, it's that they're, they're all winner take all business models, and that's why you know, we've been lucky enough to to raise from some of the the best VC funds in the space is because they recognize that that model. What lessons have you taken from your time in consumer tech so at Deliveroo? What have you brought to the healthcare space? Because I'm I'm always like interested in what people or outsiders can bring to this like ossified industry. What have what have you taken from there? Well actually I challenge you on that and my one of my biggest lessons in consumer is don't just do consumer. <laughs> and we are not really we more than over 50% of our, of our volume is actually through what we, I mean, we call it B to B to C. That's kind of what the business world calls it. But really what it means is that physicians, doctors, and clinicians, et cetera, are using our system to, to put order imaging or request imaging for their patients. Or actually, and then there's a long tail of we have clinical trial companies using our software to order imaging for their, for their, for their enrollees. We have a very large personal injury law firms um, ordering imaging for their clients that are looking that are in a litigation process so actually the vast majority of our revenue is, is not consumer um, and that is because consumer is difficult especially in a space where repeat rates are low and whenever i talk about repeat rate by virtue of it being a diagnostic scan you don't really need more you know you're not going to need a, them on a regular cadence hopefully um saying that and this is specific to the healthcare space, but um, we are. You need to think about how how you can really increase the repeat rates because that repeat rates really is what drives a sustaining business. So for us, that was the moving into the physician, you know, the physician led space, but also thinking about screening and preventative care. Um, so we're actually in the next couple of weeks launching our, our mammogram product um, for women over the ages of forty in the UK um, that want an order a mammogram on the private side. Um, and then moving all the way down kind of through through kind of the all of the different screening processes and we're launching those um in the coming months um but yeah so that's one of my one of my lessons is think about repeat rates and in healthcare repeat rates are really hard so you've got to think carefully about them because consumer can get super expensive super quick and to go back to your point uh, that you made earlier on or your question you asked earlier on about raising loads of vc money the easy thing for another competitor to do is just go and buy a load of Google ads and Facebook ads. Um, and we don't want our business to rely on that as a channel. And then second of all is is thinking about the the, the, the patient and thinking about the scenario they're in. Typically when they approach a business like ours, they're in a moment of extreme high anxiety. And so making it the, the whole experience, you know, and to go back to what you said about five, the five-star experience, making it as smooth and as easy and as frictionless as possible. And that's what we've done, right? So you, hopefully you'll see from our website that we are the easiest and the, you know, the most compassionate way to order imaging um, in in the markets that we operate in. Let's talk about how you currently make your revenue or how in the future you could. And like, if we had to do a pie chart of like percentages, you mentioned now there's like this really, you know, there's a B2C direct-to-consumer model. Doesn't sound too hot. Then there's this like, more you know better like golden golden goose type thing where you do b2b to c where you get big contracts for example if a healthcare system launches um you know lung ct screening for everyone at the age of 60 
and you get that contract, that's huge, right? That's a massive, uh-huh. massive contract. And that's way more probably lucrative than running Google ads and getting the direct-to-consumer stuff through there. I guess there's also like a referral side where then you refer on to services. Once you've had the scan, you need to speak to this specialist. We'll take 10% of that consultation fee or something like that. Basically, my question is, is can you paint a picture of that pie chart and maybe just educate me on what's hot, what's not hot, what's like what you're optimistic about and what you're like, actually, that doesn't really work. Well, I mean, we could talk about this for hours, right? But <laughs> I spent a lot of time thinking about this. Um, I mean, you know, the, 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 the answers differ drastically in the UK versus the US, in which the, the two geographies that we operate in. But in the UK, 90 plus percent of the diagnostic imaging volume in the UK is in the NHS. Um, and the NHS is struggling, as we, as we both know, um, to, to keep up with that demand. So there's a there's a huge opportunity um, for us to partner with the NHS to help facilitate um, or to help them manage their their waiting times. Over twenty percent of patients in the UK are waiting over six weeks for an MRI scan, but we know that there's thousands of spare spots um, a week available in the in the private sector. And um, so that for me is is an opportunity that if anyone. Out okay, there, so there's there actually yeah. it's not a capacity yeah. problem; it's like a logistics problem at the moment. That it's there logi- are it's, a, it's, it's a ma- it's a matching problem. It's you know the, yeah. the the way in which the current NHS frameworks are set up just do not do not facilitate real time matching of excess demand to excess supply. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a huge opportunity for us, but it, it's a technical you know, is it is a technical proposition, and we're coming at this from a you know a, a software provider perspective as opposed to the technical how the typical NHS frameworks work, which is you know uh, uh, private medical or uh, private medical providers bid for for, for contracts. And um, so there's a it's, a it's a long game, and we're getting close. Secondly, we're two of the big five healthcare insurance groups in the UK are investors of ours. Uh, so Aviva and Sibley Health, uh, and they have an increasing market share in the UK because of you know, the increased shift from socialised to, to private medicine in the UK, and those who are willing or able to pay are doing so and going and getting private medical insurance, and, and working with those um, insurance companies to provide a more consumerised journey. So as opposed to you going to your doctor having to go phone around hospitals to find who's in network with your provide, um, private medical insurance company and what times they've got available. Um, you can just log into scan.com and, and book it um, yourself. And now if you if you go on, if you're a Simply Health customer and you phone up Simply Health saying, I've got a, uh, I need to get an MRI scan or X-ray or whatever, they will tell you, okay, go to scan.com. That's where you have to book it if you're a Simply Health customer. So so we're really excited on that front. Um, and then you know, there's the, the consumerized stuff, there's the, personal injury uh, law firm piece on, on the smaller side and then there's like the clinical trials which we, we get a handful of those as well so that's the US uh, the UK sorry on the US um, you know we're very much concentrated right now on on working on the personal injury side and also on the on the self-pay side for those patients that are under or uninsured but the big volume in the US which is a long-term strategy of ours is on the, the commercially the commercial payer so health insurance side so what about this referral thing? Is that is that hot? So like referring to secondary services? Seems obvious. It's obvious. It's probably underexplored by us right now. Um, you know, there's there's quite frankly, we're treading a bit carefully because of the the ethical incentives around re- referring onto a partner that you've got a, a a better financial outcome for. But at the same time, we we, we have agreements in place, not necessarily most of them aren't monetized right now. But there's something we could probably explore a little bit more. 
I agree. So, Charlie, we spoke about this earlier, but I think my favorite thing about you and your business is its name, Scan.com. It's, yeah. it's so good. You can imagine seeing an ad or a friend telling you about it, and there's no like writing anything down. You remember that for the rest of your life, Scan.com, uh, when I need my scan. So can you just tell me about the maybe the importance or like how you think about marketing and like what went into the decision to presumably spend a decent chunk of money you know you've raised something like 17 million dollars like why did you spend 16 million dollars on the domain name scan.com like what was the reasoning well it wasn't 16 million dollars we don't disclose <laughs> the cost but it, it wasn't 16 i can tell you that okay um and it, it the the history of that is it was it was owned by a, a an incubator based in los angeles which had been sitting on the the domain name for about as long as i've been alive um and had done nothing with it um and they just really believed in what we were doing uh, as a company they actually they tried to use it for like some scanning app ios app like when i when ios was first released but obviously that got commoditized quite quick and um, so but yeah so what but what does scan.com mean it's it, it shows you the like you said the magnitude of what we're trying to achieve we want to become the way the place the website in which you whether it's a patient or a doctor orders their imaging it's the obvious choice for where that patient or doctor goes and you, know, you couldn't pick a better name than scan.com and um, so you know if we're building out that single inter single interface for for ordering imaging for both patients and their providers like you have to have a name which represents that level of ambition so yeah and from a commercial perspective you're you're bang on you know we we chose it because we wanted patients to go when their doctor said go to scan.com they would not forget where that what that website was and um, and for us, you know, the way in which our business grows and what we're we're going all in on is physicians, clinicians being our biggest ambassador and our biggest distribution channel you know, going forward. And we needed a way for that patient to remember where what where the doctor had told them to go. Um, so yeah, that's it really. There's a, there's a couple of other like tangential benefits, such as when you type in scan.com and you're on Google Chrome, it goes straight to our website. You were not paying Google a couple of quid each time to get, you know, to, to bid for that click on our on our name. The vast majority of other other companies don't have that luxury. And um, so yeah, and a, a large part and large and an increasing portion of our traffic is direct, which is just really good from a commercial perspective. Yeah, I am um, I kind of collect good domain names. I think they're so entertaining i think my my two favorite ones are um there used to be a website called is dmx in jail.com and <laughs> he's like that's the famous good. rapper yeah, and he, yeah i yeah, think yeah, he yeah. was in and out of jail so much that um people <laughs> the website would just be an it just be an image and all it would say is yes dmx is in jail and that's like a news article oh no he's that. not um, um and then when i made something a while back with some friends we were like okay medical ai papers are really hard to read let's make them easier let's summarize them with emojis and easy to learn uh, easy That's to understand cool. information and we just called it explainthispaper.com because um, it was just like I like domain names that just like it is what it says on the tin and yeah, then for sure the, the, the second thought I have is like uh, Nassim Taleb uh, comment uh, one of one of the OGs um, yeah. he says that there is something about kind of being the tall poppy or planting your flag like um, an example is you know when in the 80s when Trump made Trump Tower he just called it Trump Tower and that was, that's part of it's just putting his name on it and putting his neck on the line and like planting the flag. But there's another part of it which is just like with scan.com where you're just, again, yeah, just saying that this is our ambitious ambition. We are going to be the scan website. We're not just like, 
you know, nationalmricenter.com or we're not just this. We are like the place. So I think it's, I think it's super, super cool. Thank you. You're probably one of the, the guys I get a message every week or two on like LinkedIn and email saying, can we buy your domain name for like a thousand bucks? I'm like, no, you cannot. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, yeah, great, great kind of quote from, 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 Tell you that, like I, I agree. Like you, for us, we walk into a doctor's practice. We have three, four salespeople on the ground now, just in, in the US and Atlanta, and they walk into a doctor's practice. They've got their Scan.com shirt on, and these doctors are like, "Ah, oh, shit! What, what's Scan.com? How do I not already know about this?" Um, so yeah, yeah, I agree with you. So I messaged Oli, your co-founder, and got some insight into like what might be interesting to ask you about. And he said that I should ask you about the network marketplace model, and specifically. The hard bit of setting up any marketplace, which is the chicken and egg problem. With scan.com, it's not useful for providers until you have the payers there, and it's not useful for payers until you have the providers there. Um, how do you get how do you get from that zero to hundred? How did you solve that problem? Yeah, I mean it's it's tough. Like um it really is. We in our space, we're we're a supply constrained marketplace. So you know, we need to have the capacity um, on the imaging center side. For, for patients to come or doctors to to, to recommend us. If, if a patient lands on our website or a doctor lands on our at our portal just once and they don't see any capacity for the next few days, so that they're probably not going to come back. They're probably just going to go elsewhere. So we we knew that uh, and therefore we solved for that first. Uh, and we just upfront with our imaging sensors that we work with. You know, we 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 said we're going to be a, we're going we need you to join our network. Um, you're not going to lose anything by joining our network. It's important to note that imaging centers only, the way our model works is it's transactional. So imaging centers only get charged when we're generating them more volume. So we just said, you need to join us. We're going to pay for the integration ourselves. That's another big learning is at the front. You have to, at any marketplace style business, um, has to subsidize one side of the marketplace initially, typically to, to get that initial flywheel spinning. So that's what we did. We subsidized the supply side by essentially paying for we said that we're going to do the integration ourselves and we will pay all the, you know, the, the money up front for that. So so that's how we did. We subsidized the, the imaging center side. We were just honest with them saying we're going to be a few months until we get our consumer website up and running and our physician portal up and running. So just please bear with us. So that was kind of one key learning is you have to subsidize the marketplace. And that is why the vast majority of successful marketplace star businesses are typically VC funded is because you, know, you have to, Typically, up up front up some cash to get that flywheel spinning. Um, second of all, uh, to to get to to kind of solve for that cold start problem is we took a lesson from the UK, which is where we launched in the UK. We launched nationally, uh, which was a real slog because we just had so many dark spots in which we had no coverage, and therefore it's really tricky for us to get those payers on board and those those national providers on board. Um, so we did the opposite in the US. We we launched the US market in in February uh, this year. It's grown incredibly fast, and the reason for that fast fast growth uh, is growing five times faster than our UK business was this time when we started. Was that we just went super deep uh, and super narrow. So we went just in Atlanta, is about 25, 30 mile square rate, square mile radius um, of Atlanta in in the state of Georgia. And we pretty much have every imaging center on the outpatient side integrated into our network. Um, so when we were going out getting referring providers, they had every single imaging center that they were used to dealing with, but in one place. And I just highly recommend as a, any kind of marketplace platform style business when they're setting up, 
just goes for that approach. And it's also just way less expensive to test your hypotheses because you're in a much smaller area, especially in the US, which is just a ginormous country. Just focusing in on one area and getting it right, it makes a big difference. And your, your feedback loop is, is just so much shorter. One of the problems that you're solving is around price transparency. And I think this is particularly a problem on the US side, which is that no one is telling you how much is this scan going to cost. There might be hidden costs. It's not really like a transparent marketplace. No one really knows and you can't therefore price compare. And that's ultimately bad for the consumer. Have you noticed that when you're expanding into, say, the US, the incumbents aren't happy with that whole logic of we're going to price you? Because I can see a very reasonable person saying, look, like I don't want to, you know, it's a a scanning center saying, I don't want to be too open with my prices because A, it, it varies, like it might change. And B, we're not about this commoditizing scans. Like we don't advertise them because we offer these six things that this other center doesn't offer. And you're really creating a race to the bottom by being so transparent. Um, and really it's going to result in worse care for patients. So like, what's, what's your thought there? Yeah, I mean, really good observation. Uh, my, my pushback to that question was that statement when, I, when, a, when an imaging center group tells me it is, okay, well, you've got the whole of the scan. You've got your own page on scan.com. You prove that value to your patient, just like you if you were a hotel that was an 800 pound night hotel against a hotel that was a 200 pound a night hotel, you'd prove your value through number one, just having a great profile and an enticing profile. But number two, you'd have amazing reviews compared to another hotel. And that's why I loved your your interview with Stephanie um, recently, about all about kind of empowering patients to leave great feedback. And that's what we're all about too. It's like you, the, the patients should be doing the marketing for you if you're that great, um, right? So... <laughs> So my, that's my pushback. And then secondly, if you, we're, we got off, timing was extremely fortunate in the US and this was in no way pre-planned, but just luck, was that we, in, in July 1st of last year, 2022, the, there was a healthcare, uh, healthcare trans, price transparency act passed by, by Congress, which essentially enforced all, or forced all of the health insurance companies to disclose their negotiated rates with healthcare providers. So actually that data is publicly available. Typically it's in like seven gigabyte CSV files, which the normal human bit, you need like a supercomputer to read, but they, but they are available. And therefore, because of that availability, actually we don't necessarily need to go and ask those imaging centers for their negotiated rates. We can pull them ourselves. Um, so really, I agree, like two years ago, this model would not have been really viable because you're correct, so imaging groups or healthcare providers in general, like it, basic game theory, like why would they disclose their pricing if, if they're going to have, then have to, dis- to compete on price? So if I was building a scan.com competitor today from the ground up, my strategy would be that I would make a fake dummy website where you could essentially book a scan, you hit pay, and then it takes you to a screen saying, we're actually not open, but put your email address down and we'll add you to the wait list. I would then run like a load of Google ads or wherever and try and get a wait list going that way that showed really high intent. Maybe if I got to like 500 or 1,000 people waiting, then I might turn around to investors and try and um, do something there. What, like, what do you think of that idea? What would you do differently if you were launching scan.com? What am I, like, what am I not thinking about? Good question. Uh, I think you know, that is the right... I, I often see people trying to raise venture 
capital on a, on a PowerPoint and with very much untested hypotheses. And, and that's a great way to test your hypothesis is to build some kind of waiting list. Definitely wouldn't work in, in the imaging space because what everyone's trying to do is not be on a waiting list. But uh, <laughs> that's where <laughs> most of my customers come from. Uh, but I completely agree that that'd be the way to do it in, in, most, other, in most other verticals. Um, yeah, you know, other other tips I suppose is you know, really make sure that if you want to raise money, the the market that you're entering and the business that you're proposing to build warrants venture capital. I think there's I think there's so many businesses out there um, that just don't actually need venture money, and if they were a little bit patient, they wouldn't have to give away half of their business over time or more than half of their business over time to to grow that to grow. Uh, and to launch like really to be to raise from venture scale investors like they if you're raising from a if you're raising from a, a, a $500 million fund, like to make that investment work, your business needs to be worth more than $500 million. Like the vast majority of businesses that exist, like aren't going to get there. Um, so just be really thoughtful about raising. Um, and you know, like you said, if you wanted to create a copycat version of our website and do something like that, like actually you don't need to raise any money to do that. Um, if you've got a few hundred quid to spend on ads. Are there any habits or ways you approach problems that you think have helped you get to where you are today? Yeah, I, and and you know, I think some of those habits, some of those kind of mind, mindsets, we, we really try and instill within everyone else and make sure that the people we're hiring possess the same. Um, so one of them, and this is our number one kind of value that we look for when we're hiring for people is is grit. And I think you just need it in it more than most other industries out there. In healthcare, you really need grit. Um, and that is because, like you mentioned earlier, <laughs> earlier on, Masti, people in the healthcare space do not like change. So you have to ask a lot. You have to really be prepared to hear no a lot and then explain again why your solution is better. And that requires just a, a huge amount of grit, a huge amount of willpower, and, and really just probably something a little bit wrong with you in that you're not content with the status quo and you've got a chip on your shoulder and you're, you're looking to prove yourself. And that is one of the you know, big, big fan of that. Any of you know Frank Sleepman from like CEO of Snowflake and previous, um, previously CEO of, of Datadog, and that is exactly what he preaches: is look for people who've got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and who've got something to prove. And that's you know, I think that's probably realistically me, um, and that's what's you know allowed me to kind of to get to where we are right now. Um, and secondly, and is is closely related, but is is curiosity. Like I knew nothing about the imaging space nothing really about the healthcare space a few years ago um but i was just like really curious to to understand how things worked and how things should why things didn't work as i thought they should do in 2021 when we launched the company right and i think i get that you know my my parents had a uh, they they launched a business that was a motorcycle business and then neither of them had ever ridden or ride motorcycles uh, my granddad had a business that was in the computer space he was working in a post office at a time that knew nothing about computers and probably got that kind of like level of, of confidence around around attacking problems that, that you don't really know anything about um, but but for me I think lack of domain expertise is a is a superpower if you, if you if you if you possess the right level of curiosity and it's so much easier when you go in to a meeting Instead of being in sales mode, being in question asking mode, and really, you know, a genuine question asking mode, really actually wanting to understand how things work and how they can be made better, you just have like longer conversations, more insightful conversations, and people's guard go down, as opposed to you going in there on in sales mode. And you know that was what worked for us so well in the US. Like we went to the went to the US, went and spoke with our referring providers and doctors and imaging centers, and asked 
how does this work? Like what's different to the UK? And actually, if you look at our product in the US, like it's not like we've taken scan.com from the UK and copied it and pasted it into the US. Like everything from, we started with zero lines of code and wrote everything from scratch in the US because we wanted to be super, we were super curious about how things worked and realized that you couldn't just transpose a solution from, from one to another. I want to touch on this billion dollar health ideas bit. Uh, does yeah. anything come to mind through building scan.com? And in particular, I would be interested in like, you know, ideas in within health and bio, like tangentially that you think, ah, if I had a bit more time, I would, uh, I would go work on that business. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't have much more time at the moment, but, um, I think one of the clear areas for me, and if I could, yeah, even in, you know, when, when I, if I ever, there's a time in my life when I'm not working on scan.com or. Um, if I was talking with a new founder, I'd want to really look into kind of the geriatric space. Like you know, naturally, the population is obviously getting older, and everyone knows that. Uh, I I think you had um, was it you had Ben on from from Sarah? Um, yeah, 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 you did. Yeah, and you know, friends with someone who who runs a business called Lottie.org. Um, both of those in the kind of like the, well, back there in like the care navigation space for people seeking um, kind of care homes and retirement homes, and that's just such an obvious space in which I think needs digitizing. You know, the, the, if, you, if you look at the UK and in the US, like net migration is is going down, and 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 that's kind of like the popularism um, piece right now is that migration needs to reduce. But at the same time, the supply side of of kind of the nursing population in the geriatric space is decreasing. So really, like, how can we build in bringing technology to cope with the you know, the obvious excess demand? Like, I think it's I read some statistic recently around how ten thousand people every single day in the US are turning sixty, um, and us needing to cope with 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 that so that that's the industry i would look in it's not an idea but it's it's a problem space and problem area that i really want to explore and find pretty fascinating um and then i think secondly i i don't know you you, you probably have read that read that article around from andreessen around the um the the billion or like the trillion you said billion dollar idea but this is their trillion dollar super app or something um but that is to me is like i, I think that's a bit of a pipe dream but what i think genuinely could be a you know, $100 billion company in either in the UK or in the US. It's just a new insurance provider, like a new health insurance provider. Like you've got Bupa, Viva, Simply Health, um, AXA, Vitality in the UK, and then, yeah, they're great. And they, we partner with a lot of them, but they're, 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 there needs to be an innovative new player coming to the market, either in the UK or in the US to compete. Uh, it's super hard, like as you see in the US with the demise of some of the, the Oscars of the world, and I don't think they executed properly. But I'm, I'm actually meeting with Amit, the, the founder of Peachy tonight, um, for for a drink, and like I, I'm fascinated by what he's doing in the space, which is trying to innovate in, in the health insurance space. And I think you'll see in the UK as we unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your opinion, like move towards this more kind of state slash private healthcare split, like. There will be enough demand for a, you know another large healthcare insurer. Awesome! I will stop recording. Uh...